0: Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Yes, it is. We're in a series entitled 242. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, but let's, uh, let's bump up one verse. Let's go to Acts 241 to begin today. Acts 242. I'm really excited about what we're learning in this series, and what God's saying to us, how we're taking a fresh look at the life of the church. I believe over these next few weeks, Calvary family, and I've got a big announcement for you next week about some strategy that God's giving us. I believe over these next few weeks, you're going to have some answers to some big questions in your life. I want you to get this. Uh, You need to hear what God is sharing with us through His Word here. You know, after you've been a Christian for a while, there should be a natural sense of growth in you. There should be a natural sense of beginning to understand, hey, what God is doing in me is awesome. But I'm supposed to do something with this. Everybody with me? This what God is doing in my life is amazing, but you know, I think he wants to do something with me. And so as we grow as a believer, we we need to understand, what do I do with this gift in my life? What do I do with this passion? In this interest in my life. Begin to have some definition to who you are. And why you think the way you think. And why you love what you love. And why certain things matter to you. And how do I continue to be fulfilled in my Christian journey. Those big important questions. We're going to answer those as we go through this time. And it's just such a a powerful, important, uh, strategic moment for our church. And I'm excited about a right-now word, a right-now vision that God is giving us that's perfect for the moment that we're in. It's just perfect, and I'm excited about that. Let me say this. Uh, You heard the announcement, and I want to make sure everybody gets this from me today. This afternoon at 4 o'clock is our Anointed Excellence Leadership Summit. What do we do with that? Everyone that serves, somebody say everyone, that serves on any, someone say any, of our ministry team's, We're required to be in these meetings. It's where we cast vision. It's where we're taught leadership and encouraged. And we just have fellowship together. Now today, listen, uh, I'm not going to check your card at the door. You may not be on one of our teams, but you're thinking about being on one. I I would sneak in just to eat the homemade ice cream today. I mean, I don't know about you. I I have an ice cream problem. Anybody else have an ice cream problem? You know, if if, if we fixed homemade ice cream every day... I'd have to go on a diet. I can't say no to homemade ice cream. Who cannot say no to homemade ice cream? Come on, tell the truth. There's some liars in the house. I'm going to ask you one more time to get right before God before I give the altar call. All right? How many can't say no to homemade ice cream? That's a little better. You know the truth. So we're going to have a great time today. I'm going to share uh, some updates some strategy and vision today with you at 4. It, it's going to be such an encouraging time. Can't wait to have that time with you at 4 o'clock today. So we're looking at 2.42. 2.42, a direction and purpose for the church. Let's, let's go to Acts chapter 2, and I want to start with verse number 41 just to set the context uh, of what God is doing. It, it, uh, and what we see here, there's so much wisdom and insight that it seems like we've forgotten our basics you know, we're, we're so sophisticated and slick and and and, and technical, uh, technically astute, let me say it that way, in a modern church that I really fear we, we, we miss the heart and soul of who we are, the dynamics of what makes the church the church, what you're really looking for, what you really want in a church home, what inside of you you're really wanting to connect to. Let's look at this. Acts 2 verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, you know the context. This is Acts 2. The church was birthed on this day. For 120 believers praying in the upper room. The the Holy Spirit came upon them They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit Began to pray in other tongues A crowd gathered Peter stood up uh, Having tripped over himself for 40 days uh, And and now filled with the Holy Spirit He steps into his calling He preaches He gives his first altar call And 3,000 people got saved I have to tell you As a pastor I'm envious of that I mean come on now Your first message your first sermon, and 3,000 people can say, Where do you go from there? All right. So, 3,000 people. Now, here, here's the thing I want you to see God is the God of increase. Somebody say, Man, to that. Listen to me. God's not afraid of big numbers. How many heard what I just said? Where did we get the idea in church that God can't do something in a big way? That's an old religious mindset. I have people tell me all the time, well, and, and you're going to see this. Let me tell you this. I, I, let me just say it this way so I don't leave anybody out. I understand the point of reference. In Alabama, as in most states of the Union, the, the, the average size church in, in the state of Alabama is less than 100 people. Okay, less than 100. It's about 70 is the average size. So the majority of us, if we went to church, grew up in a church like that. I did. And here's what happens in this journey with Calvary. You know, we've had this 40-year journey, which to me feels like we're just getting started. How many can say amen to that? It's just so exciting to see where we are. But here's what happened. In those early days, we were in the storefront, and uh, we began with a handful of faithful people. Man, I'm going to recognize them. Do you know we still have some people coming to Calvary that were with us day one in the storefront? Aren't those some commendable people? Come on. I want to say. In fact, let me look around. I, I, and, and, and So so you don't get, I'm, I'm looking. Are, are, are Larry and Sammy here today? Where are you? And, and, and Barbara, stand up. Come on. I want all, come on. I want you Got Look back here, right here. Stand up. Come on. Where are you? Where are Larry and Sammy? Did they stand? Did I miss them? Okay, okay, and Pam Skibby. Of course, they were just babies. So, stand up, God. <laughs> I think this is the first, first wedding that we did, right, Phyllis? In the, in the church. So, so we we had this handful of folks in a little storefront building. I've told you this; it, it, it was it was crazy. Uh, it's a, you know it's a storefront. You're just one building right next to the other, not building, just space. Now, if you're looking at the front door of where Calvary began. On the right side was the candlelight Country Western nightclub, separated by a four-inch wall. You can't make this stuff up. On the left side was the state unemployment office. I have to tell you, there were some Monday mornings when, after there were like 12 people at church on Sunday night. It's hard to go to work, and the first thing you see is the unemployment office staring you in the face. You, you, You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So that's where we started. And people came to visit us early on, and, and, and they would say, you know, Pastor, we enjoyed your worship and the message, but, you know, we got teenagers, and you really don't have a youth group, and, you know, if the church gets a little larger, we'll come back. And I had single adults. In fact, our first single adult class met in a van, because we didn't have a room in the parking lot. They just pulled the van up in front of the, the door and met in the van, you know. I remember we had one baby bed. Remember that? We had one baby bed in the nursery, and so... So people would come and say, Pastor, we enjoyed the message. We enjoyed, you know, the people and and worship. But, you know, you're just not big enough to meet some of the needs we have. Okay? I, I got that. I said, okay, we're, you know, doing everything we do. But a funny thing happened along the way. Then as years went by, people would come to Calvary and say, Pastor, we really enjoyed the message and the worship. But this church is just too big for us right now. We just. So what do you do? I've been too small. I've been too big. So what is it that we're saying? You know what we're saying? We're saying we need to read the book of Acts. We're saying we need to get out of a religious mindset. We need to get a word mindset. We need to go back to the word of God. They started off with 3,120. Half the people in Alabama wouldn't go back to church the next Sunday. Don't shout me down. Okay? So what do you do? It's not either or. It's both. It's God wants to build his church. And I believe he wants people saved. How many hear what I'm saying? And I don't believe he wants a few people saved. I believe he wants everybody saved. And I believe he has a plan that no matter how many people we win to the Lord, we can be healthy and disciple them and do the right thing. Anybody with me today? So what we look in the Bible, it's not a controversy or a conflict or a struggle. What does God want, big or small? He wants both. So let's look at this. 3,000 saved in a day. We go to verse forty-two. So, what did the Holy Spirit do? Watch this. What was the immediate response? How did the Holy Spirit organize, pattern, uh, establish His church? Look at verse forty-two. This is Acts two forty-two. This is my series. They devoted themselves to what the apostles teaching the Word of God. They developed a word culture. Talked about that last week, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And to prayer. So four avenues that that the power of the Holy Spirit was flowing through. They were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to fellowship and prayer. And they were devoted to breaking bread together. Now what happened as a result of that? What I want you to see, instead of a one-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a big jump start, these things continued and grew. Because they understood the plan of God. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Church family, in the house, online, anyone you know. If someone tells you that miracles and healing and the work of the Holy Spirit has stopped, that is not correct Bible teaching. We serve the same God today we have always served. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those flowings, anointings, releasing of the Holy Spirit are available in the church today. We need to see where and how they flow. Do you understand? We look for all the reasons. I have people say, Pastor, can there be more miracles? Oh, yes, more healing. Maybe it's directly related to how we're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through the life of the church. Everybody with me? Let's go to verse 44. All the believers were together. Look at this supernatural unity. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And if need be, they would sell their possessions, okay, and goods and give to anyone in need. They were generous. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court, the big large gathering. Thousands, are you with me? Thousands. They met in the temple courts and what happened? They broke bread in their homes. They did big and they did small. It wasn't either or, it was both. It was a spiritual dynamic, a rhythm of life where you gather together. There is something that is irreplaceable of this large gathering of the family of God. It is the hub from which the spokes of life flow. There is no replacement for that. But they not only gathered in this this large gathering of thousands to worship and celebrate God. To be a physical, visible reminder of what what God was doing. But then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What did that produce? Verse 47. They were praising God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people... Watch this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As the church found this rhythm, as they connected, as these things flowing, a word culture, a prayer culture, how was that expressed? By fellowship and eating together in their homes, people were getting saved every single day. See, if we think it only happens on Sunday, we're missing six days of the week people could get saved. How many are hear what I'm saying right now? We're holding the light inside a basket. But if we fail to meet together, we don't have the dynamic to take that into our homes. It was a Holy Spirit pattern that caused the church to grow and, and to move. So they had a word culture. They had a prayer culture. But they also listened to me, church, and I think this is where we miss it, particularly in our Western culture today. Is everybody with me right now? You with me? Okay. We miss the fellowship and the breaking of bread. We miss the dynamic. Those two things were put on the same level as the word and prayer. Fellowship and breaking of bread. We sometimes... uh De-emphasize that. But we watch this happen. This rhythm I taught you about. See, the, this thing that, that flowed, it brought health to the church. It brought witness to those around. Let's look at some scripture together here. 1 Corinthians 12. Turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. How many you are going to find that or read that along with me? you say amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. We're talking about th- this dynamic church, this spirit-filled, life-giving church. Radically changing Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Powerful what was happening. Watch this life. Watch this pattern. And and, and, and we see how it works. Let, let me say this to us. We can't rely on just coming together on Sunday if we're going to be a 242. How many heard what I just said? We need to understand this. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this from your pastor. This spirit, this sense of supernatural connectivity, unity, and function, was a work that God did in the hearts of those people. What we don't need is forced ritual and and, and uh, uh, what would I say, surface relationships. How many heard what I just said? This culture doesn't need any more fake relationships. You don't have time. For surface relationships. How many hear what I'm saying? I'm not trying to implement anything like that. I want us to catch what the Holy Spirit is doing. How many with me? I want us to catch what the Holy Spirit does to create a place where all the limits come off. All the limits come off. God wants to save 3,000 people in a day. I believe, I volunteer, God used Calvary. I just told you, we just saw it happen in Honduras Two days in a row. I believe God wants to save America. I believe God wants to revive America. I believe God wants to find places where churches are flowing in a Holy Spirit pattern that takes all the limits off what God can do. And so I I want you to know understand that. We're looking in the Word. So let me me make this statement as we get ready to read. There must be connection if a body's going to function. How many heard what I just said? There must be connection if a body's going to function, the, 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 the Bible uses the illustration of the human body, all the different parts, all the different members. You know, I, I really appreciate the fact my body is assembled today. Are you thankful for that? Okay. I, I would prefer not to be cut in 12,000 pieces, I prefer to have it connected. You know what that means? I'm alive. You hear what I just said? If you take a live, I don't want to be gory here, but if you take a living, healthy human body and chop every piece separate, you killed that body. You have to connect to function. You have to be together to function. So look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So he says, quit trying to... Make everybody have the same function. Start understanding the diversity God designed in the kingdom. All right? Let's keep reading. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So the next thing he says is stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Stop trying to be an imitation of someone else. Be who he made you to be. There's a place in the body that no one can fulfill like you can because God did that. Let's keep reading. Then we read this, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And here we come to the bottom line. Are you with me in verse 18? But in fact, who? God has arranged the parts in the body. Are, are you seeing this terminology? Why? You're asking yourself, you know, I've been going to church for a while. Why am I going to church? What's the end game? What what's the reason? Am I just to come on a Sunday? I mean I enjoy the message. I, I'm encouraged and I leave is there something? Oh yeah, there's something. There's something the living life at the highest level. There's something called purpose and destiny and connectivity that changes who I am and my outlook at life. Because in fact God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them. Is that amazing? Every one of them. Just as He Wanted them to be. That's just so powerful. It's so personal. You see that? There could be a church of 30,000. And every single person, God designed something just for that person. God said, I've got a place for you. But we don't discover that until we connect. You see how that works? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Ephesians 4 11. Wow. These these verses are, are just uh, stunning. And, and, and what we see... And what we miss, if we don't get this connectivity of the body, where did the word culture and the prayer culture find an expression by the way they had fellowship and ate together when they didn't just go to the temple, but they got in the homes too. Now there's a movement in, in the church in America today, let me be honest with you, and it, it just, it's just, I, I wish we could just get the whole word and stop taking pieces of scripture out. There's some people in the movement today called home church movement or cell movement where they say, we don't need to gather. We just need need to meet in the church. Well, what you need to do is read your Bible. Sorry, somebody needs to say that. You need to read your Bible. And there are a lot of believers who say, well, I went on Sunday and I got mine. We have a consumer mentality that our culture has taught us, but that's not a word mentality. Everybody with me? I went to Sunday and got mine. I don't need anything else. Well, maybe somebody needs what you got on Sunday. huh? Maybe there's a level of, of, of ministry that's greater. And again, I refuse to arbitrarily mandate some kind of system that you don't want to be in. I'm praying as I preach and teach the Word, the Spirit of God will captivate our hearts. Are you with me? And we'll see something happen in the Spirit. Look at Ephesians 4. And verse number 11, this is speaking what Jesus did for the church. It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, why did he give these ministries to the church? We need to understand, what's your pastor's job? Why did he call me? What am I supposed to do? Are you with me? There are many things I do, but look at this assignment I have, which I will answer to God for. It's how he designed the church. What am I to do? Look at this. What is the fivefold ministry to do? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The word prepare here, do you see that? To prepare God's people? The only other time that word is used in the New Testament is in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus is ready to preach this amazing sermon. And he walks up on Peter and the other future disciples who had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. And the Bible says, listen to this, they were mending their nets because there were some holes as you fish, the nets tear. They don't want to lose any fish. And as Jesus walked up, they had their nets spread out. They were mending and weaving their nets together. The same word used right here. Do you know what I'm called to do? To prepare this church to do, watch, to weave you together, to build a net. So that we don't lose anybody that's one to Christ. So we don't miss any moment God has. So when God says, put your net. Are you ready, Calvary? When God says, I'm ready to send a revival. I'm ready to do something you've never seen. Throw your net on the other side. You better have be prepared. You need to be 242. Everybody with me? So we maximize that. That's it. So let's keep reading. Watch what happens. It's powerful. To prepare God's people, the church... For works of service, so the body of Christ may be built up. How can we be built up? Look at verse 13. What's our potential? Until we all reach unity. Somebody say amen. Amen. How? In the faith. Not in our looks. Not where we come from. Not my favorite TV show. Not my political party. In the faith. Unity in the faith. And in the Knowledge of the Son of God. And then what happens to us? Come on, watch this. Then, guess what? We get out of the nursery. We grow up. We become what? Mature. How mature? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The potential of a connected, functioning church is so dynamic. That our function when we're connected begins to be the fullness of Jesus Christ. We literally become the body of Christ. And the world around us sees Jesus. Wow. Now let's keep reading. Watch this. There's some personal benefits that happen. Then we will no longer be infants. See, we're mature. Tossed back and forth. By the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. I hate to tell you, but somebody's got to tell you there's some con artists standing in the pulpits today. (laughs) There's some wolves in sheep's clothing. There's some people with their own agenda. Now watch this. He said we become mature and then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by a wave or blown by a wind. When you have an infant, infants can't walk. Infants just go where somebody picks them up and takes them. But as we become mature, are you with me? I don't have to have you come pick me up and carry me around all the time. And I don't have to allow anybody to just carry me in the wrong direction. If somebody says, I'm taking you out of the Word, I can say, I don't need you. I'll get to the Word myself. If some wind of false doctrine blows in on me, I'm not a little baby that just goes anywhere somebody blows. If I listen to some crazy message, I'm not just some child that doesn't have any understanding. I'm mature in Christ. I've heard the word of God. I can stand on his word. I can walk in the direction God has for me. A church can be strong. You can throw a pandemic at us. You can throw anything you want to at us. And we're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to stay with one another. And when we come out of the fire, we're going to be shining like gold. The devil should not have fooled with us because we're better than we were before you got after us. That's what I'm reading. Now, that's the George Sawyer paraphrase. Verse 15. Yeah, anointed by the Spirit. That's, yeah. Instead of speaking the truth, instead of that foolishness, speaking the truth in love... We will in all things. Do you see? You need to go home and read this about 10 times. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. Now watch this. From him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up. In love, as each part does its work. Man, what can you say to that? I know we can say that. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. We don't need another plan. I'm sorry, we don't need somebody to rewrite the church. We don't need somebody to give us a different theology. We need fresh fire that will allow us to catch this wind and be everything we have the potential to be. Everybody with me with this? It's amazing. What a privilege. What an what a understanding of the value of every individual. There's one thing people need. We, we are more connected uh, by social media than any generation in the history of the world. But it seems like relationally we are more disconnected than we have ever been. People have a thousand friends on Facebook and nobody to sit down and talk to. A thousand people on Facebook, but nobody to call if you're having a hard time. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're connected up here, but we're not connected right here. We've got all this surfacey stuff. You know Facebook is just everybody's highlight reel anyway. You know that, don't you? You know, I understand what I'm saying. It's just the best moments. It's not the worst moments. And you're looking at everybody else. I mean, no, nobody, on every, well, there's a few sadists and masochists, you know. But but most healthy people, you know, don't, don't get to say, this is the worst day I've ever had. <laughs> I just want you to see me. I've cried my makeup off. <laughs> and my, what's the black stuff? Mascara. And my mascara is running down my face. I thought it was a a bad version of KISS group anyway. And and, and just, I just want you to know, I'm not going to make it. Have a good day. No, you have all those days, the phone stays in your pocket. Hey, I just got a promotion. Look at my new car. I got three dates tonight. I got to choose which one I'm having. And it took them six months to get those two selfies out. That's all the good news they've had in six months. We've got all this connection, but we don't have relationship. We have all this surface. We compare. We, 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 we look at this and, and, and we miss it. So, do you see, a body has to be connected To function. A body has to be together to make this happen. And the value of every individual becomes exponential as we see that. See, this this, it's not a theory, it's a reality. What, What the Holy Spirit does in our lives becomes tangible when we get together, when we sit down and have fellowship, when we eat together. When we talk together there's there's a lot of ways that that can happen these we were designed by God to connect you function best connected you, you, you work better connected we we need the the safety of being connected to people you know in, instead of you, you know it, it's it's a, a church having some mechanism if you miss three weeks you know you get a the visitation committee comes by and gets you. It's hard to to, to document attendance nowadays. You know, but last year during COVID, dear Lord, who who we just trying to chase people down and find out they're okay, you know. It's, but we get back together. But isn't it better instead of somebody you don't know, your name got kicked up in the computer and the visitation committee called, isn't it better that your friend, who you've been having fellowship with, who you've been breaking bread with, don't have to wait till the third Sunday you miss. The first time they don't see their friend, they say, hey, you doing okay? See the difference in that? That's life. That's life. We had fellowship. I, it, I, I want to say this. This, this. this is the thing that's interesting to me is that we have such a deep need for these kind of connections. But we seem to be so afraid to make them. Here, here's, here's what I want you to understand. The, we, we call our small groups life groups. We're relaunching a whole new set of life groups. In the next couple weeks, we're going to have the opportunity for you to sign up and do that. And so here's what happened. We're coming to church and people say, man, I need some friends. I, I need somebody to know who I am. I need to connect someplace. So we say, okay, here, let's do it. And you're like, oh. 25 opportunities. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to their house. Uh, in, in, uh, we're funny, aren't we? We're, we're, this this thing we need, and yet we're li- listen at Calvary. If, if you visit one, and that's not your thing, that's okay. Yes, we'll help you find one that is. Yes, Here's what I'd say to you: What do you enjoy doing? What do you like to do? You know, we have we some of these life groups are based on interest things. It's not it's some some person start at your level. We'll let you start at your level. So what does that mean? Well, if you, somebody says, "I don't know if I go in or are they go to pray for an hour and read scripture," I don't know how to do that. Well, you know, then, then, then maybe do one where you just meet and go out and eat and have some fellowship. We'll work your way into that. Start where you are. What are you interested in? What do you need? What could God do if these things were looking in Scripture? See, this isn't this isn't something I wrote. This is the Scripture. This is Acts two forty two. This is how the church becomes that. And so, this deep need, but it has to happen naturally. How many you heard what I just said? You have to give God a chance. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do that. Do you know in the New Testament there are over fifty different one anothers? You know, be kind to one another, love one another, speak well of one another. Check it out, over fifty. And you know, you can do about ten of them sitting in church. So where are we going to do the one another's? Well, you've got to sit down with one another. <laughs> you're going to have to have some fellowship with one another. You have to give God a chance to do something. Because I want to tell you, when you begin to do that, you're going to find your function. You're going to grow in the things of God. It's going to develop something in you. It, see, I'm right-handed. I do thousands of things every day with this right hand instinctively. I don't even have to consciously think of it. This is one of the most valuable parts of my body. But all that has to happen For this to become useless to me is if it were severed in an accident. And in one split second, this useful member becomes useless. What happened? Connection. Connection. The incredible potential of my hand will never be realized until I connect it. The gift in you, the ministry in you, the function in you is waiting to be connected to the body. And when I connect to the body, I begin to have identity. I begin to have function. I begin to have purpose. I begin to grow and develop. Is anybody with me on that? Do you see how God does that? God, I have something I've said for many years. I want you to get this if you haven't heard it in a while. God works in connections and Satan works in the gaps. God works in connections and Satan works in the gaps. You know how close you were when you first got married? You know how you talk? Oh, think about before you got married. Oh, man. Think think about then. You know, you're still trying to win her. Listen to me, fellas. You know, and, and, you know, they say men can't talk much. used to have those long conversations. Come on. You know, you got on that phone and you talked and you talked and you talked. You can talk. You can talk you you maybe you used all your words up before you got married, I don't know, but you talk and you talk and you talk and you're on there with her and and you know you it, it, and you've been talking so long it's it, late at night, and you're falling asleep on the phone, oh yeah, and then you know you then you don't want to be the first one to say okay you you, you say bye." Uh, you, you say it first, you know you can't even be the first one to say goodbye. No, you, no, you say it first. I, you, I, I, you, you say it first. Oh yeah, and you know you you fell asleep with that phone on the pillow. Sometimes just talk. You know you're, uh, uh, uh. you know, pardon me. You know you slobbered on your phone. You fell asleep and just, you know you it, you you just couldn't stop. You couldn't talk enough. You couldn't talk enough. Why? You, you were connected. You 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 know you were you were talking. You were communicating. And 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 then what happens? What happens? I don't know what happens. But I sure have had to do a lot of counseling because something happened. I didn't say you did anything wrong. Watch me. But here's what happened the communication stops, and what starts? Gaps. Here's what you have to understand the gap doesn't stay empty because. God works in connections. listen to me, watch me, and Satan works in the gap. So where you were tight and connected, when you let it slide, Satan jumps in that gap. And then you start looking at each other. Why aren't they talking to me? Why aren't they talking to me? And then all that fiery darts start. I bet he's talking to someone. You used to tell him, honey, you look nice going to work today. Now you go, what's he dressing up for? <laughs> don't shout me down. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Huh? See, you stay connected and Satan doesn't have a gap. Do you realize Satan, Satan can't work unless I create a gap? Okay, now let me go to this one. You, you know, you, if, if, if church was doing anything, you, you'd knock the door down to get here. Now I got you. See those early days of being saved, you couldn't get enough Jesus. You couldn't get enough word. You couldn't get enough worship. You listened to every worship song. Are you with me? Come on, I'm about to get through. Don't. don't, It's going to get better. Hold on. I mean, you you listen to worship, you worship, somebody get around you, they knew, oh, I'm gonna get preached to you. I mean, here they go. You, I mean, you are preaching machine, witnessing machine. You did, you know, you're doing all that. And 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 then, and you know, if, if they're having, you know, prayer meeting, you're at church, preaching, you're at church, worship, you're at church. You came for worship rehearsal and just watched them worship so you could worship some more. You, you know what I'm saying? And 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 then you know, just got gaps. And in that gap. Isn't it funny? Here, here, here's the devil. I'm going to help somebody. Can I help somebody? I know not you, but somebody. Okay, you got this gap, and then just like in that marriage relationship, see the accusation start. Now remember, you created the gap. You're the one to stop coming. Okay, the devil gets in the gap, and just like he does in that relationship. In your relationship, he begins to accuse. Okay, now remember, you gapped it, and and the devil starts saying, "Well, I knew that church wasn't for real." Nobody's even with me right now. Well, you've been running to hide. And how are you supposed to find you? Don't shout me down. See, if that was a real church, somebody would call me. Well, why don't you call them? Well, you know, I thought everybody loved me. They do. We just can't find you. Okay, I can tell that's not going to work. Let me, let me let, go in here before I forget you. You see, God works in connections. Satan works in gaps. Satan works in gaps. You know where you used to read the Word, you quit reading the Word, there's something in the place of the Word. See, we used to worship you stop worshiping, there's something in the place of worship. You say, oh, Pastor, how do I get rid of the gaps? Tighten it back up with the Lord. Tighten it back up with the Lord. Turn that other stuff off. Get that Bible back open. Come back and worship. Get yourself in the presence of God. And, and, and you'll fill that thing up. See, here's what I want you to see. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to... I had to give you that. But here's what I want you to see. When we fellowship, when, when we break bread together, there's this unity. There's this support there's this protection people know you they love you they're watching out for you they're praying over you 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 if you're sick somebody's there if you have a need somebody's there why because it's a relationship it's not religion it's not a ritual it's real and 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 they work in all these ways do you know what happens remember and i want to end with this remember i said it, it we said it's interesting to me breaking of bread and fellowship. They literally, literally remember my message two weeks ago, sat down at the table. They sat down at the table. Like Mephibosheth, who thought he was an outcast and, and there was no hope for him, David said, let me go find someone I can show kindness to. And when you come up to the table, David said, I'm going to let you sit at the table with my son. Do you know that when you understand fellowship and breaking of bread, you get in the family. You belong. You're there like a family member. Your feet are under the table. Your weaknesses are covered. Your, your, your fallacies are covered. Why? Because I'm in fellowship With the family of God I'm not out here by myself I'm eating, I'm fellowshipping He said when he brought Mephibosheth in And he sat down at the table He said sir everything your grandfather Lost when he tried to kill me I'm going to put your name on it And you can have it again Do you know the broken relationship That haunts you right now Can be restored and blessed and covered When you fellowship with the people of God The fears, the insecurity the depression that Satan puts on us in our isolation and separation when you come sit down at the table of God God will restore your hope, your joy your dream, the things that life ripped and robbed away from you your identity, your self esteem your reason that you're here the connection that makes it work you're not only going to church because it's Sunday, you're going because it's my family, I'm going to see my friends, I'm going to worship God, I'm going to walk in the fellowship of the Lord I want you to stand with me and I want our worship team to join me when we get this thing it allows us to become mature we're not blown about by every wind of doctrine we're not out here by ourselves hanging on we are wrapped up in the fellowship of the family of God can somebody say amen to that I don't know about your house but I know at my house if there's somebody that's usually at my table and they're not there I know at one meal isn't that how it works? I know it right there. Before I eat my food, I say, are you okay? Are you all right? Everything good? You're, you're, you're not at your place at the table. What can I do for you? What can I do? How can I help you? And, if, and, and one of my family members said, well, I was on my way, <clears throat> but I had a flat tire. Well, I stop and go fix the tire. Everybody with me? I care about what you did. I know why you're not here. You know, there's something about this fellowship and breaking of bread. Listen to what I'm telling you. The devil doesn't want the church to get. Because it's where we love. It's where reality happens. And do you understand what, what Jesus said again, John 13? He said, they'll know that you're mine by the way you love each other. By the way we fellowship and break bread, by the way we're willing to connect, I'm going to tell you there's a witness That this world doesn't have any, any, anything to offer in its place. People begin to be saved. People begin to find hope. Now, men, (laughs) I get it. We're more isolated than the ladies. We're more self-contained. But I'm going to tell you, sir, you're so valuable. Your, Your presence, just your connectivity to change lives. I can't tell you what it happens when, when the church begins to live these kind of lives together. I, I, I've said it. This is the fourth time, so everybody gets it. I want the Holy Spirit to do this work in our life. I want to see the Spirit of God begin to say to every one of us, You know, I can connect. I have some value. If, I, I, I don't have to come preach. I don't have to come teach. I just need to connect. There's something I can do. There's a place where I fit. I don't have to live isolated. You know, some of those answers you don't have, you're going to find those answers. You know, some of the hope that maybe in your marriage you're saying, man, my wife and I, we just need something. Well, maybe the connectivity of a godly marriage to you see model and, and, and people that will pray for you. We don't run up to strangers and bare our soul. We have to have some trust. We have to build some relationship. I've always heard it said, and it's true. Phyllis and I found it out many times. we said, you know, when you need a friend, it's too late to start making a friend. You know, when crisis knocks on the door, you'll find out who's in the house. It's too late if nobody's there. Church family, I believe that in this nation right now, God is positioning his church to be light and salt like never before. I believe if you and I just walk the Word of God out, you're going to see your own life blessed. You're going to see encouragement and growth and fulfillment. And the world around us is so broken and fragmented. Everything today is about arguing over who's right. Is that not true? Everybody's arguing over who's got the right perspective. I just think God wants to show this world, this is what love looks like. This is what unity looks like. This is what family looks like. There's few families that haven't been touched by brokenness and dysfunction. But when healing comes and families built in the body of Christ, what a testimony. What hope we bring to this world. I want us to pray together right now. You know, this this song, this worship song, this this third one, we, we, we sang about the presence of the Lord and Lord, I surrender. And Lord, I need you. You, you know, I, I think if anything, could I just ask us as a church family, online, on site, I want you, I want you to say, Lord, I don't know all these details that Pastor's talking about I, I don't know what, what, what I look like In a life group And where I would connect But would you just say I surrender to your will Would you just say Whatever you have designed for me I want to do it Have you ever thought about There's a place God designed Just for you to connect And you just want to say Lord here's my life I don't know where you, that, what that looks like But here it is I want you to connect me. I want you to do a work in my heart. I want you to heal my broken places. I want to do it your way. I'm tired of the substitutes. How many know they're substitutes? How many say, Pastor, I want to close the gap. I want to connect today. I want to connect with God. So in your room, this room, as we sing this song, maybe you've been way away from God. Come home today. Would you do that in Jesus' name? Say, Lord, I surrender. Here's my life. Maybe you're watching online and you've been heard in church. Man, can I tell you the truth? You know, I've been heard in church. <laughs> but this is what I know. The church is bigger than me. The church is not just about me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Have I ever been heard in church? Oh, yeah. But I've been blessed in church. I've met the greatest people in my life in church. I've been loved in church, prayed for in church, stood by in church. It's built my family. It stood with me in my hardest days. It's blessed me when I was at my lowest times. The church, my family, has kept me when nothing else could keep me. And you need that today. You need that today. Come to Jesus. Make the connection. Let's no more gaps. Church family, if you've been a little hesitant to say, Lord, here's my life.